This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here at the Big 8 tournament champion. 93-7 The Ticket veteran and Bill Callahan fan club president, Jake Bakovic. I love Billy Steele. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. From the friendly confines of the Bakovin household, I am Jake Bakovin uh, at my house doing this show. It feels like 2020 all over again, but uh, here we are. January 2022, of course, another round of COVID going around. Uh, caught up to my family, and now we're waiting uh, a few days until I can return to studio and return to the public. But thankfully, when you work in radio, they find a way to get you on the radio, and that's what they did at 93.7 The Ticket. So I'm joined by uh, Big Sky, Ethan, there in studio. About one hour, we'll have Strick, Eric Strickland, of course, the Husker Hall of Famer, uh, join us for his normal two-hour uh, spot. And very excited to have Samaki Walker, a former teammate of uh, of Eric Strickland, and uh, I remember specifically on those Lakers teams, the early 2000s Lakers team was an NBA champion there, so it'll be fun to kind of run down some of the things. He's got uh, a, a son and a daughter playing at the Division One level, so lots of stuff to break down with them. They were first Big Sky. Uh, how are you doing this morning? A lot of Husker news, too, today that we can get to. Yeah, just it seemed like uh, since the last time we spoke on Thursday last week, we've had a real bevy of things coming down the uh, wire on Husker football specifically. And it, everything we were talking about as possibilities last Thursday are now kind of realities and things that we can actually talk about with some legitimacy. Yeah, it's too bad I kind of miss uh, Casey Thompson's uh, day. We, Of course, we speculated on it for a long time, as you, as you mentioned. Um, so I've kind of got – been able to give my feelings about it in the past but uh certainly that was an exciting day for for you to be able to jump in and run with strict there uh what was the overall feeling i think that you got from the fan base on whether this is this is exciting or not i know a lot of people are are just wanted anything but adrian martinez but of course there's always the deal that he's a son of a sooner and a former longhorn so maybe he's still trying kind of hard to get over some old rivalry feelings there but i think for most of nebraska husker nation is pretty excited is that what you kind of got from the text line uh well maybe the text line can prove me wrong today but given husker twitter husker reddit and uh the text line kool-aid chugging is uh in full force right now and People are very optimistic about next season, given all of the coaching staff changes. The hiring, specifically today, is a big one. The special teams coordinator, Bill Bush, uh, getting that that position. But Casey Thompson, as well, has had about 17,000 highlight tapes made of him. And there are tapes showing every single play that he ran at Texas last year. So I think Husker <laughs> football is incredibly excited. The Husker fan base is incredibly excited. Yeah, that's good to hear. Like you mentioned, uh, some more things uh, checked off the, the checklist today. Bill Bush hired from internally as the special teams coordinator, so he'll now be able to go on the field and kind of take over from Mike Dawson, who was in that position last year. With that with that switch, Mike Dawson uh, also jumping up in Tony Tuioti's spot uh, to coach some of the defensive line, the inter interior defensive line, along with the edge rushers, which he had been working with with the outside linebackers there. Um, so uh, altogether, all, all the staff is, is coming into play. They still have a running back coach. 
to hire. So we'll see when that comes down. Of course, uh, this week, like we said, Casey Thompson uh, before the weekend started, and then L- and then Nebraska grabbed LSU transfer Trey Palmer over the weekend. So there was a lot of uh, fanfare and hype about that. That's a, a, a key piece that has a kick return and punt return touchdown over at LSU during his career there. Uh, and it's just an electric player. I mean, he's, uh, he hasn't necessarily broken out to the level that He's an all-SEC guy or anything like that. Otherwise, he might not have made that move. But he, he does have that potential. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's just kind of a big-time play waiting to happen. And, of course, Nebraska's had those type of guys before. Um, you know, you think specifically to a Jamal Turner, who always had, like, the best two- or three-yard catches that we'd ever seen. And he did more than that. But I'm just saying, like, he would really make some plays very exciting. Uh, and hopefully you can turn that into production. But the wide receiver lo- room – uh, looming large, looking very good, very much the strength of the offense uh, so far when you look at, at at what's been done. Of course, uh, tip of the cap to Mickey Joseph for kind of solidifying that position, bringing in a piece not just for his room but the, for the special teams um, overhaul that they're attempting. And, and obviously, the coldest Crawford from earlier, um, it just looks like that's going to be the room that they're going to be able to rely on and hopefully have another guy similar to Samari Toure step out from the bunch and, and be the leader of the pack because that's the one thing I think that room is missing is, who okay, who's alpha? Who's number one? Who's the guy we go to in the crunch? And and, and maybe there's there's been cases, you know, Omar Manning, big catch against Oklahoma. Xavier Betts has shown his big play potential. But I don't know if you have a true number one in that room, but you certainly have a lot of potential there. Well, you have some guys that you expect to bring the veteran presence. You have Xavier Betts, as you mentioned, who's been in the program. This will be his third year now. And then you also have a transfer in Isaiah Garcia Castaneda from New Mexico, who you'd expect to bring that, you know, not necessarily familiarity with Nebraska, but familiarity with the college game and how to be successful in the college game. I understand it was at New Mexico, but we said a lot of the same things about Samori Toure. You know, he's coming from a, a lower division, lower level of competition, and he was easily the best wide receiver the Huskers had this year. Yeah, and, and so, I mean, I think between that group, you feel pretty good, of course, um, as as things get get going. It, it's it's exciting. I mean, the, all these things are happening. Caleb Tanner returning for his fifth year. He made that official a couple hours ago. I think that was uh, to be expected. I mean, I think most of us were uh, already counting that in and hoping that it was going to happen because you don't know with these guys, especially on their fifth year, um, you know, when are they deciding this thing? Are they going to make an announcement? Maybe they're more personal. They don't want to make an announcement. And then you just assume they're coming back or, you know, they don't make an announcement and then they won't show up uh, in spring practice. And we'll say, well, what was that all about? Well, uh, you know, who knows until these guys make it official. It's kind of the timeline of college football with the transfer portal, all that stuff. There's, there's nothing that this just overwhelming, like this date that looms as to when you have to make your announcement. So, I was kind of surprised to even see the announcement. I guess I already counted Caleb Tanner uh, as part of the team, but he's a guy that that is exciting. I mean, you look at that uh, the outside linebacker group that they have. I mean, uh, him and, and Garrett Nelson, of course, figured to be the starters and seemed at, at times to be coming on. Caleb Tanner, I would say late in the season because he did make a late season push, but he's also flashing early in the season. So hopefully they can kind of get that um, out of him the, the whole year round. Caleb Tanner, probably one of the better um, pieces on that defense coming back, would you say? Uh, one of the I, I, more dependable pieces. I don't know if he's he's one of the better pieces. I think you could certainly have a guy come in in their first year and supplant him in the order of uh, superiority or, or skill level, talent level. But like you mentioned, Caleb Tanner is one of those guys that each year he, he has a, a player or two where, you know, Joel Klatt on Fox will say, 
you know, this is what this Husker team is is needing and expecting out of Caleb Tanner, but then you don't see it again for, for three games, and then he goes out and has a really nice game, and then you go three games without seeing it. So just getting more consistency out of him, more consistency at that higher level, I would say, is what you're wanting out of Caleb Tanner. And I'm not going to say any returning player is a, a bad pickup, I guess, because as you saw with Cam Jurgens, you can never depend too much on a guy coming back. So uh, <laughs> am I excited that Caleb Tanner's coming back? Maybe not so necessarily, but am I glad to have him back? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he, I mean, he is one of your best. They don't have a Randy Gregor. We've been talking about this for, for you know, going on eight years, whatever it is now. Um, they don't have Avery Moss. I mean, they don't have those type of guys, whether it's a, you know, Randy Gregor is always an extreme example. That's an All-American, would have been a top five pick if he didn't have his troubles and, and is now making some pretty good dollar change there in the NFL. And, and of course, has had his troubles to, to have the Cowboys stick with him. So, I mean, I think he would have had a better career by now if he would have been able to play a little bit more. But in any case, my my point is Randy Gregor's are really hard to come by but you need to get you know those pass rushing um, presence that that can get five six sacks a year and kind of be something that the offensive coordinator circles when they're going into um, passing you know type of down situations against you Caleb Tanner I think is pretty close to that Garrett Nelson you wouldn't call them uh, probably guys that you would double team or, or completely put um, you know circle as far as going to ruin your offensive plan um, but it is a pretty good linebacker core, and I think if they start, of uh, course, with your inside linebackers, uh, uh, coached there by Barrett Rude, uh, with, with Luke Reimer leading the charge there, um, and, and, of course, Nick Henrich, they've got – that's a solid core, and I, and I think that that's probably – we talked about the best unit on offense. I think overall that linebacker unit is probably the best unit on defense just because of some of what they lost in the front uh, front line there. I mean, I think Ty Robinson certainly has a case to be – one of the best defenders among that group. Casey Rogers should solidify that. I mean, they've, they've got some guys there. The secondary is kind of new. They relied on a lot of seniors last year, some super seniors. Um, and, of course, Quentin Newsom will kind of be the leader now after being kind of the fresh blood last year. But I think the linebacker position, especially with Caleb Tanner, um, as long as all those other guys come back, right, which they have uh, they have some, uh, some years left to play here. But you just never know in modern college football what's going to happen uh, that, you know, I think the line – I think we can get maybe with today start to look at the wide receiver and the linebacker unit being the leaders on each side of the ball and being the most dependable uh, groups. Um, some other things that, that kind of happened today that, that might interest Nebraska fans a little bit. Graham Harrell, who did interview for the Nebraska offensive coordinator position, uh, decided to, to take the job at West Virginia. Of course, things broke up at USC, his, his previous staff with Clay Helton. So he was, uh, he was on the lookout for a job. He went to West Virginia. And, and Nebraska very loosely tied into this, but it's exciting altogether because not long after the Jackson Dart, who we all expected to start at USC, uh, decided to transfer. There's been rumors of Caleb Williams maybe having been seen out there at L.A. Of course, naturally the tie uh, to his former coach over there coming over from Norman uh, would, would be a giveaway or something that you would think would happen there with Lincoln Riley. But, you know, as, as, as Nebraska plays Oklahoma, I found it fun just working at the ticket. We've dug into kind of that Oklahoma thing. We've made some calls we've, because it, it's just been the news of college football, the most newsworthy program over the last month or so. And I wasn't always getting indications that Caleb Williams was going to USC. Now, it's, it's not a done deal, but the Jackson Dart transfer seems to be a giveaway. And by the way, 
Uh, I, I, I hope Jackson Dart follows his former. I mean, we're always looking for everybody to follow their former coach. I hope Jackson Dart uh, follows Graham Harrell out to West Virginia. And uh, as we just reflect back on it throughout the year, throughout time, it's kind of fun to, to remember those guys that were close to being picked by Nebraska and maybe to be here. Uh, and, of course, ultimately Nebraska went with Mark Whipple. So we'll we'll see how that, all that turns out. I think fans are pretty excited to see that. But is Caleb Williams at USC the ultimate destination that you want to see Caleb Williams at, Big Sky? Uh, yes, because I don't want to see him go to the SEC. There was a lot of rumors about a dentist in Houston who might have done dental work on Caleb Williams. And while he was on <laughs> Novocaine, he said he was going to Auburn on a million-dollar NIL deal. So Ooh. that was uh, stomach-turning to me as an anti-SEC uh, person. But also an interesting little uh, wrinkle here is if Jackson Dart does in fact follow Graham Harrell to West Virginia, it'll be Keaton Slovis v. Jackson Dart week one at Heinz Field as the two former USC quarterbacks uh, now play for their new new programs if it is ultimately West Virginia for Jackson Dart. So I think that'd be an interesting storyline right away in week one. Uh, but Caleb Williams to USC is significantly more palatable than uh, Caleb Williams to any SEC school. I would be much, I'd be more okay with Caleb Williams going to Maryland, which is what is one of his top three schools uh, when he was coming out for high school than going to the SEC because I, I don't want them to get more nice things. <laughs> well, certainly nice things coming for the SEC tonight as Georgia takes on Alabama, guaranteed to win the, the championship. Um, something that's eluded, I mean, you just kind of think back. Of course, we always talk about the SEC's dominance and, and, and now USC trying to get out there. You wonder if it is kind of something um, where, I mean, we just have to look at it for what it is. Two coaches left the Midwest to go to the SEC, to go to um, USC, right, to go to the coast or, or the south. And it's been a long time. I mean, Ohio State's kind of the flag bear for the Midwest to get a championship. And, of course, it took Urban Meyer to get one <laughs> in 2014. Since then, it's, it's mostly dominated by um, the south or, or coastal uh, cities. Do you think that that played into Brian Kelly going to LSU to, um, to uh, obviously, the USC move for Lincoln Riley is that those, those guys, which – they made their perennial playoff contenders. They just seem to maybe hit, uh, uh, you know, hit hit their, their their top, you know, hit the hit the top of what they could do at Oklahoma and Notre Dame. I'm with you. I mean, I, I I'm all for the Midwest, but it it doesn't look good in, in in hindsight looking back at those. And I think that might be why those those guys ended up moving is they thought they peaked at their Midwestern programs. Well, that's absolutely why those guys moved on, and I'm I'm okay with uh, coastal elitism in college football if it's not solely in the southwest recently we've only seen georgia alabama clemson be real threats for the national championship and that's incredibly boring uh a lot of national talking heads like to talk about having at least one big program west of the mississippi be in contention every year and you saw a little bit of that with oregon when they had their their run with marcus mariota uh which immediately ended as soon as they brought in all the tr try to do the transfer quarterback thing with vernon adams and dakota prukop but you just get anything to get the West of the United States interested in college football again and get people watching is going to be good for the sport. And I think ultimately it will end up being good for Nebraska. If you can kind of start pulling kids out of the Southwest, because right now you look at what happened to Michigan and, and Cincinnati in the playoff, they just didn't seem fast enough to keep up with Alabama and Georgia. And it's because all of those high level athletes are going 30 miles away from home to go to school. And they're going to a power five school. And so Michigan 
and and USC, Oregon, Ohio State are kind of they're getting good players. They're just not getting the high level athletes that Alabama and Georgia are getting, and that's what's creating the divide. And so you need some of these big time programs that aren't Georgia and Alabama and Clemson to start recruiting at a high level and kind of separate themselves from the 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 muck and the mire of the Pac twelves and the the Big Twelves. And that's absolutely why Brian Kelly left Notre Dame and he told you he told everyone that that would listen is he kind of felt that he hit his ceiling at Notre Dame and he told everybody um that would listen that this is a rebuilding year and we don't have a very good team at Notre Dame this year and they still almost made the playoff. And so he's probably he can do he's a smart guy. He can do the math. He's looking at it and going, you know, this is really the best I can do. I've 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 put together a playoff team and we got stomped in the college football playoff I need to go where I can get the best athletes and that's in the southwest so he went to LSU got a ridiculous contract that's going to set him up very nicely for retirement and he has a chance to get those high level athletes to actually compete for a national championship yeah and and I'm excited to see it play out I'm just a little bit worried for the midwest um, to kind of now your your premier programs, um, which would have never been seen as stepping stone jobs, and I don't think they were. I mean, th- those guys obviously had long tenures there. Kelly certainly more so than Riley, but, I mean, Kelly became the all-time winningest coach at, at Notre Dame. And in a short span, Riley, of course, had um, his playoff success, his Heisman success. So, um, you know, but it, it was just – it's kind of a tough pill to swallow again as we sit here watching another SEC championship game tonight um, that it's – it's basically been Ohio State or bust, and if Ohio State, who, who's certainly capable, I mean, they had, um, I think, the, the team put together that if they played Alabama or Georgia on a given day, they wouldn't look outmatched, but their defense wasn't up to par this year, and as it happens with all those teams, you can be beat on the right day or the right circumstance, and that's what's happened. Uh, you know, it happened twice, of course, to Ohio State this year. Happened once to Alabama. You could say it happened to Georgia. They lost Alabama. I think that's fair and square. But when Alabama loses to A&M, I don't think nine out of ten times they line up against A&M that they're going to lose that game. And that's usually what it's going to take to beat Ohio State. Um, so, But it, it just kind of feels – and, of course, in the Big Ten, we've kind of had this feeling where it's Ohio State or bust. But it, it kind of expands to the whole Midwest. But – uh, of course, you just need another team to step up, and that's why I was partially cheering for Michigan. I, I know that a lot of people don't like their wine and cheese crowd or, you know, just kind of the way that Michigan um, looks looks down. A lot of Michigan fans kind of look down on other teams. They're all-time winningest programs, all that stuff. Hail the victors. We all know we all know how Michigan fans are, but, you know, I, I just would like to see the Midwest a little bit more involved, and, uh, of course, we won't see that here tonight on championship night. Do you have a do you have a, a way that you're leaning tonight, Georgia or Alabama? Just want to see something fresh and see the Bulldogs win? Or do you like watching uh, the greatest of all time do his work? I mean, there's a difference between who I want to win and who I think is going to win. I, I don't want Georgia to or I don't want Bama to win. And I want Georgia to win simply because I'm sick of, of Nick Saban and Alabama hoisting the trophy at the end of the year. I've been seeing that since I was you know, before he was even in middle school is when this dynasty started, and now I've graduated from college. I'm ready for it to be over. I, I don't want to have to look at the standings every week and see Bama in their usual spot. I want I want them to be dethroned. So I want Georgia. I think it's going to be Bama simply because we just saw this game, and Alabama seemingly controlled the majority of that matchup in the SEC championship game. 
Yeah, I still think it was a, it was a close game. You just kind of Georgia missed a few opportunities um, to where the scoreboard didn't look too close. But as you were mentioning earlier, just kind of watching the athleticism and the physicality of that game, it's going to be exciting to see it again tonight. But uh, of course, just just nobody to pull for if you're not an SEC fan. Uh, I I will be pulling for Georgia as well, like you said. Uh, I ultimately, if I'm struggling with the decision, I'll look at um, some of the things that have gone in the past. And Kirby Smart 0 and 4 against Nick Saban so far, has had the lead in all those games. I expect a good game tonight. But then more importantly, uh, you look at the quarterback matchup as well. Stetson Bennett, heck of a story, but he's not Bryce Young. And Bryce Young, of course, the Heisman winner, just starting uh, his own uh, kind of legacy there at Alabama. And it might get uh, might grow substantially tonight. We'll see how it turns out. Of course, the NFL is very exciting uh, action over the weekend. We will talk about that. Black Monday in the NFL. Several coaches fired. Also, uh, I know you get your NFL talk all around the radio um, this time of year, especially right now. Um, but I wanted to uh, go through the numbers for how the NFL Huskers fared this year as it has concluded the regular seasons for all of them. So we'll kind of go through the best seasons of everybody in the NFL that used to play and the Scarlet and Cream. That'll be coming up next here on the Water Cooler. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Bach. Hold on, Bach. Let's not overblow Bryce Young. He's a, he's a talented quarterback, but <laughs> I, I understand that he won the Heisman, but he is not the best player on that Alabama team. Will Anderson is absolutely the better a better Crimson Tide member. So I think if we're going to be talking about anybody vastly superior and dominating a game for Alabama tonight, it's going to be Will Anderson, the linebacker. And the the fact that he was completely left out of New York is a travesty. And uh, justice for Will Anderson, and you're not going to catch any uh, disrespect coming from Big Sky on uh, Mr. Anderson. So <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go to break, Buck. Oh, I, I do like that, though. I, I also am I'm on support. I'll let you lead that path, but – what do you break the record for tackles for loss in college football this year? That's a pretty pretty good standard and more sacks at Aiden Hutchinson, all that stuff. He's he's absolutely dynamic. But I was but I was comparing Bryce Young to Stetson Bennett. It's hard to care, compare Will Anderson to Stetson Bennett, except for when Will Anderson is maybe on top of Stetson Bennett. We could compare body weights or something. But <laughs> I, I don't think that's a, a image you we want to put out into the ether until it happens tonight. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if it. See if it happens, uh, but it'll be exciting tonight. Again, uh, some NFL talk, specifically NFL Huskers. Coming up next, this is the Ticket Water Cooler uh, on, on the Block with Stricken Buck on 93.7 The Ticket.